Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-depth series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ, and this week I'm here all alone, and that is because, um, as you know, we've said on the last couple of episodes that Jen is still um, taking a break, and uh, Tara has a lot of theater stuff this week, so what we're going to do is we're going to play for you a episode that we've already recorded. We recorded it uh, a few weeks ago. And this is actually part two of our tropes uh, episode that we did a few weeks back or a month or so ago. I don't know when. But anyway, so um, in that episode, in the first episode, we got to about the L's. I think we got to irony. So it was like the eyes, And um, we had to stop because it was taking so long. But um we got together and did the second part of that. And we said, we'll just wait for this on a day when we have to pull it out when we're, it's an emergency. And this week, as I said, it's a little bit of an emergency because both Jen and Tara aren't going to be here. So um, anyway, so the first Tropes episode that we did was a big hit with all of you. So hopefully this one will be too. Now, if you haven't listened to the first Tropes episode, um, I believe that episode is either uh, 150 or 151. Um, Its title is Back to Back Badasses. Uh, We talk about literary tropes in the End Death series. So if you haven't listened to that one, um, I suggest you listen to that one first. It'll go into a more in-depth explanation of what the tropes are. We'll go over that again in this episode, but uh, it might be better for you to start with that episode if you haven't listened to it already. So anyway, uh, now I'm going to stop talking and just play for you that episode that we've recorded. This is part two of Literary Tropes. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. Okay, so this is now, um, so uh, everyone that's listening to this now will maybe remember uh, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, depending on when this airs, um, we talked about um, tropes because um, I had found a page on tvtropes.org that somebody had done specifically for the In-Death series. So at that time, we um, talked about, you know, what tropes are and um, how they're used and all that kind of thing. And um, most people that are listening to this probably understands what tropes are and stuff. We kind of explained it on the first episode, on our tropes episode, um, which um, you would have heard it on May uh, 6th. So if you want to go back and listen to the first uh, the first part of this and uh, where we, you know, discuss what tropes are and how they're used and all that kind of stuff. But we had to stop halfway through because this is a huge page of tropes that the in-death series uh, uses and nobody's surprised. Um, but um, so where we left off the last time was with irony. Um, we're in the eyes. Uh, so 
the next one is the next trope here is it's all about me and um it's all about me is um somebody's ego like the part of the psyche that defines you as an individual um the egotist seems to think that the world ought to revolve around them and their every little whim i think that this trope is is kind of defined along the lines of like raylene straffo right exactly for example like she i think that that trope is like her yeah, yeah that's that's raylene i mean she would never be able to see to put anybody else first right but they're also talking about um the murderers and celebrity and in thankless oh yeah specifically so. thankless yeah like celebrity yeah but that's not even the one that jumped to my brain as quick as thankless and and innocent yeah, thankless. Yeah, but i am surprised that they didn't put uh raylene like they didn't mention yeah me the- too I mean, the the one we just read, um, Encore, I think that uh, the the new one, I'm sorry, the one, new one we just read, I, I think that that even falls into that category. So um, th- the next trope is it's personal. <laughs> yep. It says <laughs> quite a few of Eve's cases start out or end up turning personal when one or more of her loved ones, someone connected or someone connected to them ends up as either a suspect or a witness. And they're... Uh, putting here immortal vengeance loyalty so yeah i mean the, the this is treachery up. treachery <laughs> conspiracy they have here yeah midnight new york to dallas yeah a lot of a lot of the cases are it's personal when you really I have a feeling look at the it. upcoming one is also going to be a personal one. Oh yeah because that's a that's a cop who gets murdered i believe is what that's been advertised as <sighs> Uh, uh, the next one is the Jekyll and Hyde trope, like chaos and death. I mean, that's very obvious with that. Right. I honestly forget everything about it because I read it once. So that'll be a fun thing to come back to when it's time. So the next one is jerk with a heart of gold. And yes. they're specifically calling out Eve in this one on, on this website. That's interesting that they also like bring up dickhead. And yes, I would absolutely... Eve, yeah, which is which is fair because like, you know, they talk about how he's whiny and sleazy, but he comes through when it matters and he's supportive and protective of the crime lab techs who work for him. Yeah, we just don't really like him that much. But this isn't wrong. <laughs> right. So I wanna the next one is Lad Et. Oh, okay. And that's just also Eve, because it says that's Eve. she likes sports, beer, cars, swearing, fighting, and sex in a stereotypically masculine way. She is crude, rude, often hygienically challenged, that's not Eve, and cheerfully ignorant and aggressive. If you're a guy, she'll probably challenge you to a fight or a drinking competition, win both, and then take an aggressive lead in anything sexual that happens before kicking you out the front door the following morning or teasing you mercilessly if she lets you stay some more. So that's that's how they're um, characterizing that. I mean, yes fits the trope um let's see the next one is last name basis yes yeah <laughs> dallas Which we don't yeah dallas rourke all the cops and then rourke who's he's like i ain't even gonna bother with the first name <laughs> right still my favorite thing ever but also mira so the second half of this trope um section where it's where it comes they discuss lampshade hanging 
Um, should we discri- should we go into what lampshade hanging is because they uh-huh. they mention it a lot. Okay, so lampshade hanging, um, or more informally, lampshading, is the writer's trick of dealing with any element of the story that threatens the audience's willing suspension of disbelief, whether a very implausible plot development or a particularly blatant use of a trope by calling attention to it and simply moving on. Uh, This ensures the audience that the author is aware of the implausible plot development that has just happened and that they aren't trying to slip something past the audience. It also assures the audience that the world, that the world of the story is like real life. What's plausible for you is just as implausible for these characters or what's implausible for you is just as implausible for these characters and just as likely to provoke an incredulous response. Right. Um, so the example like here where they say, um, the cop Carmichael ends up transferred to Eve's division, despite there already being a detective Carmichael, the two are therefore referred to as Carmichael and uniform Carmichael, the other Carmichael to differentiate between them with Eve complaining, uh, that both of them having the same last name is confusing and one of them yeah. changed theirs. Yeah. Yes. That's that's a and really good she, explanation of that. Yeah, since so she or uses a good it, example she, of that. Yeah, because as much as as much as like because we're obsessive readers that we're always like, oh my gosh, Nora, what the heck? Like she definitely took this one and ran with it as far right. as like <laughs> accepting that. She's like, oh, yep, I guess there's two of them. Well, we're just going to talk about it, and she really does. It's kind of great now. It's yeah. a great little extra plot device. Right. Yeah. So let's see. Next one is let me get this straight. Um, and that one, if we look at it, says a form of quick exposition used to sum up the crazy situation with the characters. Okay. That, that makes a ton. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I mean, I love that, you know, and it says um, Eve's reaction in glory and death while questioning a suspect. And it says Eve, let's see if I got this. You were on your way to a meeting, took a wrong turn, and saw a woman brutally murdered. Then you drove away, canceled your meeting, and went to bed. Is that accurate? <laughs> so I think Eve does have a lot of, let me get the straight moments. Oh, she really does. Yeah. She really does. Um, the next one is pretty obvious. Um, like a daughter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Mira and Eve. Yeah. Um. A line of sight name and they're you know calling out eve dallas in this one and line of sight name is a trope when a character is put on the spot to name something and can't come up with anything so they take inspiration from things around them so obviously in eve's case <laughs> she was Literally found in dallas so found. yeah eve dallas yeah yep. the next one is long running book series which he yep. has no explanation here. It's just the trope. Just the trope. <laughs> right. We're like, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> right. 50 plus books later, we know. <laughs> the next one is Looney Fan, which I love. And it's yeah. uh, Obsession and Death, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do, can, do you think Dark and Death could also be? I think so. Um. Not not a not as much as obsession, obviously, but right. Well, I mean, even if we're not focusing on Eve, we can even talk about what's this fucking face from Encore. Right. You know? Yeah. Um Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. And his obsession with whatever her name is. I forget her name. <laughs> what's his name and his obsession with what's her name? Right? Eliza. What? <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about if you've read the book. Okay. I think, I think yeah, they do now. <laughs> yeah. Liza. We're talking that's about. all I remember. So. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the next one is loophole abuse. Um, I am going to read that one. I think I know what it means, but um, someone, typically a rules lawyer, does something outrageous by finding a loophole in the rules, which were too narrowly written to consider such possibilities. This allows the agent to get their way while claiming they were technically following the rules. Yeah. Yep. That's Eve. <laughs> I, yeah. I think she does this a lot. Yep. They're only calling out one, um, one incident, which is her trying to get out of testing and naked, but um, yeah. I think she's done this but a lot. I think she's probably done this a lot too. Yeah. But. Um, let's see. The next one is the lost Lenore. The lost Lenore is another character's deceased love interest. Oh, okay. So now we're talking about Morris and Amaryllis, but we're also, I mean, you could also talk about um, the guy from uh, abandoned. Oh Yeah even talk about somerset almost yeah somerset is a is good you know this is tara's favorite the next one is tara's favorite um <laughs> uh, yeah i okay so the, the next one is love triangle and it's in two parts and you guys know what this is i'm not going to read it but i would like to comment on how um the first one is a bit stretching it because this one says webster is in love with eve who is married to rourke and Rourke is aware of Webster's infatuations, resulting in the two men fighting over her briefly. Webster, I don't think, is in love with Eve. <laughs> like, I think he's fascinated by her. I think we've talked about this before. Was he ever really in love with Eve? <laughs> I just, I'm, that's such a weird thing for me. Yeah. Calling, saying that he was in love with Eve. And then, like, you know, he's a fucking grown-ass man, like whatever um yeah, but that's, anyway, i don't see that as a love tri- I've, I've never seen that as a love triangle that's weird to say that. um and then and then they so then they continue going into how webster is starting starts a relationship with uh with chief angelo and i'm like that's also not that's a- not part of the love triangle no there's there's no there's no love triangle here what is missing from this trope is the actual love triangle right. in the series. I know, right? What, the, what, what is like wrong with a these big people? fucking love triangle in the series? I don't understand. And of course, y'all know we're talking about the the Peabody McNabb Charles Monroe, and uh, throw it throw in Louise for funsies. Uh, like, okay, we don't even need to explain that. But um, this person thinks a love triangle is this. So okay, um, yeah, that's just that's dumb. Okay, that's dumb. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So the next one is the maiden name debate. Eve keeps her maiden name after marrying Rourke and is quick to shut down the clueless who try to call her Lieutenant Rourke or worse, Mrs. Rourke. I love when people keep their maiden name. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The next one is Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe. Inverted. Right. Oh. Yes. Meg Rourke played along with Patrick in a relationship, or Patrick pretending to be the mother of his son, either by threat of physical violence or his golden gab since Patrick had killed Rourke's actual mother, Siobhan Brody. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is my, 
my favorite in this series. Maybe magic, maybe mundane. (laughs) (laughs) It's made clear in Ceremony and Death that the Satanist cult's magic, quote unquote, is a combination of drugs and tech. But whether Wiccan priestess Isis has real magical abilities is left more ambiguous. Eve, the agent Scully, steadfastly refuses to consider the possibility while Rourke and Peabody are more willing to believe. In later books, the more supernatural, fantastical elements tend to be relegated to the short stories and novellas in between the main novels. Somebody who hasn't bothered to track those down could be forgiven for thinking that the maybe magic stuff is all pretty much early installment weirdness. And that's another (laughs) trope, early installment weirdness. Which we had a lot of that in this series. Then the next one is Meaningful Name. The 50th book will be called Golden and Death. Okay, so this was written prior to right. Golden and Death being. So, yeah, 50th book's Golden and Death. 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one is Mind Control Device. So, you know, Rapture, anyone? Yeah. um oh i i actually this is one of my favorite tropes just in any sort of storytelling Mm -hmm. um minor crime reveals major plot um so yeah so like um in origin and death the murder of a saintly doctor you actually just kidding actually there's been cloning happening and then born and death the two cases coming together they're like, oh, right. these young accountants. And actually, there's human trafficking going on. Like, um, I know that some people get annoyed when, like, the, you know, there are two stories that kind of merge together. Um, also, um, also loyalty and death, I think, mm-hmm. is one here. Um, you know, because they, like, they're worried about the city exploding and then, lo and behold, this little crazy thing that happens with Zeke is actually huge to the case we're already working right. on you know i i love that kind of shit i love what here's like oh cool that goes together yeah um but i don't that's been like a big um that's been a big complaint by some of the by some of the people who review these so well but i like it so fuck but, off and also desperation desperation is a good is a good example too yeah i think that born and death is probably the one that seems like I think born to death is so well done mm-hmm. that when it happens, you're like, Oh yeah, it's cause it's, it's such a, if I remember the scene correctly, like it's such a small thing because like they're the, the fact that they come together is so minor cause they're like talking through it, whatever. And, and I think even Peabody are talking through it and she brings up something and Peabody is like, Oh, are we back on this case? And then it's like, oh, no. And so you see the two come together. And I think that's such good writing. Such a good trope. Mm-hmm. My favorites. One of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> um, n- next one is Mama's Boy. The reveal of Rourke's real mother is a good, as a good person turns him into this. Unfortunately, she's dead. Doesn't, I, I don't know if I... That's- agree with that but okay no uh, I yeah think, i don't i think true heart is more of a more true of an example boy. of this yeah 
But it's definitely in the series. Not to take away Rourke's love for his mom, but like he never knew her. Right. You know, that's, that's not, that's not to diminish the, the power of her love for him, but he never knew her. Yeah. In, in the, in the case of, in the case of Siobhan, she, you could think of Rourke as mama's boy when you're thinking of Siobhan, but when you're thinking of Rourke, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think you can, you can see that in my personal opinion. So the next one I might may need an explanation, Tara. <laughs> morality chain. Mm-hmm. So morality chain uh, is a character who is the re- the reason another character is good. Stereotypically, a love interest, a parent, a child, or a younger sibling. As long as this person is alive, their target of affection will, at the very least, be a noble demon. These are all tropes. <laughs> Target of affection, I think it's pretty much as it is. Um, but I would like to read what a noble demon is. Okay. A noble demon is a villainous character with a code of honor. They don't care. They have a bad image. So, um, again, there's like lines of Rourke there. Um, but yeah, morality chain and this. But they're relating or they're referring to Eve to Rourke, stopping him killing quite a few people. And the reason he gave up the criminal side of his enterprises. Which is fair, because that's why he gave up the last parts of his, you know, his shape shit was for Eve. Um, so. Right. And then also, like, the fact that he doesn't, you know, murder a bunch of people in the HSO, because Eve's like, please don't do that. Right, so, exactly. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the next one is, most writers are writers. Um. And it says, uh, in fiction, it's relatively common for the main character to be a writer or a reporter. This is in large part because many narrative works are, of art are initially driven by the writers themselves. Um, this is kind of, this is saying it's, uh, interestingly, such characters are only occasionally author avatars. And we talked about author avatars before. So, um, what what they're saying here is the example of that is um, the case of dark and death is connected to the series of murder mystery novels with the author serving as a witness consultant to the investigation. There is duly quite a bit of discussion regarding the process of writing and publishing and the manner in which writers and their readers engage with fictional characters, as well as a few very pointed observations about how, shipping and fan entitlement can get out of hand so there you go um the next one is motherhood is superior averted with eve dallas because while her father richard troy was a child molester her mother who has many names is fully revealed to be as evil to be evil as well in new york to dallas um initially subverted with Rourke with Meg Rourke and Patrick Rourke being equally uncaring abusive parents. But in portrait and death, he learns that his birth mother was actually a sweet young woman named Siobhan Brody who loved him and didn't see what a monster Patrick Rourke was until it was too late. So that way that is defined. Um, if it isn't clear, um, that it's a double standard that states that mothers love their children more than their fathers do. Which we don't see with Eve, but we definitely see with work. And also, yeah, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next one is 
the morning after and morning is spelled M O U R N I N G. So somebody in mourning and the example here is Morris spends several books in mourning after Coltrane is murdered and promises in death. So there you go. Um, the next one I'm going to read the explanation is mugging the monster. Um, this, so this is when some random crook um, and occasionally a pretty stupid one at that has the misfortune of targeting someone much more powerful than he assumed. When the superhero slash monster slash alien assassin robot sorcerer from the future or other world space appears, the criminal asks, acts as a disposable victim they can demonstrate their powers on for the benefit of the audience. So this is um, this is referring to um, Trudy Lombard, Eve's foster mother, um, who literally came to New York to try to be like, Hey, I need money from Rourke. And right. Rourke's like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> uh, the way that this is worded, it says, it says, uh, Rourke's not having it, already has six killings under his belt, and it's very protective of Eve. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> he terrified right, he doesn't. Yeah. No, yeah. She dies, but he didn't do it. Just <laughs> gotta make sure you put that in there. <laughs> All right. Next one is must have caffeine, which I mean needs yes. no explanation. And the you know after that it's just says eve period and it says it's no coincidence <laughs> that rourke's first successful courting gift to her is a bag of genuine high quality coffee so there you go the next one is fun tara oh mysterious middle initial <laughs> thomas x brennan walter c pettibone a mysterious middle initial many fictional characters names are shown as a first name last name and a middle initial in between if this initial is short for a longer name it's never stated in canon. A mysterious middle initial could also be the entire middle name or a joke about the character's lack of an actual middle name or an attempt to conceal an embarrassing middle name. Um, and, you know, we never really actually learned any of these guys' middle names. But um, from now on, I would like to I would like to make them up when we get to those books. Um, so I'm sure there's another one coming up. The only possibility can be is Xavier. And Xavier, I mean, which um, well, I guess. I don't think he actually has a middle name. I think it's just an X. That's, an X. that's my vote. That's my vote. Well, we don't really have any other, I can't think of any other X names that could possibly be. Yeah. I mean, if you are a Harry Potter fan, you know, Xenophilius love good. So you could, it could oh, be okay. Xenophilius. I mean, this was pre Harry Potter. So. Right. Well, I mean, maybe Thomas Brennan's uh, mother read they read the series. I don't know. Um, but anytime <laughs> we come across those in the future, I plan on uh, making those up. So the next one is um, nature versus nurture. Eve and Rourke yeah. will struggle hard off with the question of how much their monstrous parents and generally horrible childhoods they carry with them. Yeah, um, that's that's a big one. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge one. I think like, that's, you could even say that that's maybe the whole theme of the entire series. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a huge part of it. So the next uh, one, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just say, I love the next one. <laughs> yeah. The next one is a never forgotten skill. And it says Rourke was quite the accomplished pickpocket and thief in, in general, in his youth, he is still is. And actually he'll never forget his skill skills at stealing as long as he lives. And not only that, I don't know when this was, initially written but i think we've already said in this series that he's um 
you know, teaching Eve how to pick locks. So yeah, he does teach Eve how to pick locks. Yeah, so it also makes me think of it's like a less useful skill and um, mostly just something that I think Nora put in there for humor. But like early, very very early on in the series, when Eve and Peabody are like chatting, whatever Eve learns about Peabody being a free agent, and she's like, so "You can weave baskets," and Peabody just says, "If held at laser point." <laughs> right. And, yeah. And you exactly. like, and then like as it's it's really funny, but as the series as the series progresses, we actually do see Peabody going back into her free ager like art artistic and like um uh crafty roots like she you know weaves the sweaters and she makes all this shit and i was like thinking about how that's like weaving and knitting and things like that are considered skills that people never forget and i will tell you that's a lie i learned how to knit for a show and i've literally erased it from my brain the second show (laughs) (laughs) well yeah the next trope is just you know doesn't really need an explanation but uh never given a name you know how like Eve never got a fucking name. Right. So, uh, the next one after that, again, ugh. you know, you wonder why. So it's the next one after that is never my fault. And f- for this one, they put Gerald, Jerry Reinhold from thankless and death never takes responsibility for anything, but, and it's true, but why, why are, why do they keep ignoring Raylene Straffo? Right. I mean, she fits in a lot of these and they've not, mentioned her but it's always like never my fault it's always somebody else's fault why things happen you know right so yeah it was you know um the people she murdered's fault that she murdered them right exactly yeah (laughs) yeah so do you want to take this next one uh tara i think this is good for sure oh yes um nice character mean actor uh, in Celebrity and Death, the actress who plays Peabody in the iCove movie turns out to be a vindictive, obsessively jealous bitch who tries to intimidate, blackmail, and or stalk various coworkers and associates. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah, know, that's a lot of these in, in uh, Witness also. Yeah. So the next one. <laughs> the next one is the non-idle rich. Um Louise D'Amato, a high society trust fund baby who is dedicated to her career as a doctor and runs a low income clinic for her patients who can't afford much by the way of medical care. Um, Also, Rourke is constantly working on various projects and business deals, despite being more than wealthy enough to be as idle as he'd like to be. Eve also counts after marrying Rourke, though she doesn't really think of his assets as being in any way related to her. Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, that's like such a fun trope to be able to write because, you know, like, oh, these are fictional characters, so they can do all this. I love that. Right. They have enough money to do anything they want, but they, you know. That would be nice if other rich people were like that. I mean, some people do. There's a, yeah, there's some people do. rich out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, the next one just is great. Just no social skills. Eve. <laughs> Eve, period, and there's no other explanation. Eve, period, no explanation needed. <laughs> the next one is not so fake prop weapon. In Witness in Death, Witness in Death, West, Witness in Death the lead actor in a stage production of Witness for the Prosecution, dies on stage because someone switched a prop knife out with a real one. 
That's yep. That's trope. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty common one. Um, it's fun. It's a fun one. The next one is Eve. Like it makes all the sense. Not with them for the money. I don't think we even need to read that. <laughs> we all know that. She's like, oh, she is. Fuck, you gave me a giant diamond. What yeah. do I do with this? Yeah. Anyone else would be like, oh my god, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mavis would obviously, but uh, right. So so. <laughs> um the next one is really interesting um odd name out which when they describe it it's um a group of characters with theme naming sometimes one just doesn't fit in with the pattern but in our case um they're using this for uh, uh book names that don't fit in so remember when is one of those and also new york to dallas yeah. And every other one um, says, uh, every, every other one is something in death. Yeah. There, I, I do remember going through and finding a, some kind of a discussion page. Well, maybe it's on the forum here, but somebody said something about this. Like, I wonder why um, she named something New York to Dallas instead of naming it in the, in the typical naming convention. And then somebody else said something. It's, it's, um, it's some kind of a conceit by Nora Roberts. And then that person said like, but I've not read the series. So, and I'm like, well, then why are you commenting? Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> so people who, you know, think they're an expert on shit that they actually know zero things about. Well, you know, I mean, if you haven't read the series, then you shouldn't be commenting at all on this series anywhere at on this all. Get website. out of here. Yeah. So. I hate people. Um, um, the next one is um, out of character, a serious business. Um, so I'm going to read this one. It just says some characters have strong traits that they are known by. This is for when characters momentarily break away from their normal habits to make a point about the seriousness of the situation. Uh, often causes other characters to do a double take and mention why this event is serious business. Right. When most or all of these out of character moments happen at once, you can be sure that the darkest hour has arrived. So many tropes here. Um, leading characters to believe in ways they normally wouldn't because they know they might not have another chance to do so. The examples I gave here, um, uh, even Somerset's initial mutual antipathy gradually develops into a ritual of verbal sparring carried out primarily when Eve comes home after a day's work and Somerset meets her in the foyer to exchange insults. Somerset being absent is not necessarily cause for Eve to be concerned, but anytime they meet in the foyer and one of them fails to jab at the other, it's clear immediate sign that something serious is going on. Mm -hmm. Well, and I really like the, the point it makes that when it doesn't happen, when they're both there, you know, it's great when, one of them isn't there when Somerset's not there and she's looking forward to it. But when they're both there and they don't spar at each other, yeah, it does kind of indicate that something real serious is going on. So um the second half of this, um, and this is a this is an interesting example because I think there's actually a lot of these, mm -hmm. but they use this example, Golden in Death. Peabody, one of the sweetest, nicest cops you'll ever meet, blows her stack at a snooty school headmistress who's been sneering at her free ager background. When she hears, when he hears about this, Rourke is is hard put to believe yeah. it. Um, but we've seen Peabody, who is one of the nicest, sweetest cops ever, like be absolutely fucking terrifying. 
yeah. badass about shit. Like her reaction to Eve telling her her backstory. Um, right. You know, her reaction to um, learning about Stella. I love it. But I do like the part about how Rourke is like, really? Yeah, that happened? That happened? Are you serious? Yeah. Meanwhile, this was like, fuck yeah, go Peabody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the next one is, um, <laughs> this is fun. One Steve limit. Um, and it says a pretty rigid rule that no two characters in a work of fiction should share the same name or even similar sounding names. Uh, if there's a Laura in the story, there will not be a Lyra or if there's an Ed, there will not be a Ted. In this one, it's saying when Rourke orders a computer to run a search on Siobhan Brody, born County Clare, Ireland, between 2003 and 2006, the computer finds 33 matches. Filtering the search to display only those who were one of twins narrows it down to four. Rourke finally finds the right one when adding the fact that the twin girl is a girl named Sinead. But I feel like you could also use this for... um, uh, Carmichael, mm-hmm. you know, she um, reuses names all the time in this series. So. She does. Um, the next one is only friend at the start of the series. Mavis is E's one and only friend with Feeney as more of an authority surrogate father figure before Mavis. She had no friends at all. And well into the series, she expresses her bewilderment at the fact that she's somehow accumulated a steady expanding number, steadily expanding number of people who care about her and who matter to her in turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> another, another huge part of the series. Yeah. So the next one is only one name and Rourke, obviously. Rourke. Yeah. And Nora has stated that she will not reveal his given name. He is Rourke and only Rourke. Correct. He is. I love this next one. <laughs> Parental sexuality is quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Played subtly with Feeney as E's parental substitute sex is about the only topic that seriously squicks them out. Right. Also, I yeah. like the term squick. Um, what what book is it where he's like helping her put on some like um uh like wire? He's, well yeah, he's done it a couple of times and Yeah, he, and they're they're so embarrassed the whole time, and you're like, okay, yeah. you're fucking grown ass adults. And then in uh, conjunction with that um, is parental substitute. So right. um, Mira and Feeney for Eve and then Somerset for Rourke um, later, uh, his uh, aunt Sinead. Right. But um, yeah, Eve also, I think at one point in the series is like, I don't want to think about Mira and Mr. Mira having right. sex yeah. either. So, you know, that's just, that's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the next one is obvious. I don't think it needs uh, an explanation. It's past no. experience nightmare. So obviously that's that's uh, Eve. Yeah. So and it it also talks about Rourke finds himself in these situations as well, though not as often as Eve. So yeah, he's had a couple of bad dreams about his past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the next one, uh, percussive maintenance. Um, also known as technical tap, eight mechanics, electronic abuse, Fonzarelli fix, spikes, <laughs> Fonzarelli fix, I repair, love that. Right? I do too. Fonzarelli <laughs> fix is my favorite. Uh, emergency repair procedure. This is a method of repairing malfunctioning devices by hitting them real hard. This is a case of truth in television, as many people will often do this with malfunctioning machinery 
frequently with mixed results. And of course, this trope is referring to Eve's standard method of dealing with any and all technology. So the next one is also very funny, and it is um, politeness judo, which um, they they uh, explain as being human beings are social creatures and conditioned to respond in certain ways to social niceties. Oftentimes, these pre-programmed responses can slip by our conscious attention, resulting in us agreeing to something we hadn't intended to. Politeness judo is the art of taking advantage of simple courtesy exchanges to get one's way. So, I mean, obviously, Rourke does this, this, you know, Rourke is an nth degree black belt knit, this says. <laughs> but I feel like I love um, that. Mrs. Peabody also does politeness judo. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because both Eve and Rourke were like, I don't know why I agreed to this, but I just suddenly she said something and suddenly I was saying yes, you know? Yeah. So I love it. Oh, yeah. Here's another one that does not need an explanation. Pop cultural osmosis failure. Eve. <laughs> Having no or little awareness mm-hmm. or interest in pop culture. Yeah. To the point that her failure to recognize references is a minor running gag. Yes. Yes. She's shown to be ignorant of Iron Man, Batman, James Bond, Star Trek, and other fandoms mentioned throughout the books. Yep. So, yeah. Um, she is well-informed on famous murder cases. <laughs> right yeah and we'll study up on a particular piece of pop culture if it's relevant to a case or, yep that's our or use. baseball oh, or baseball she knows fucked on about baseball yeah um next is the posthumous character which they're saying is uh eve's father richard troy and that is absolutely correct but also rourke's father patrick mm-hmm. um and you know marlena too yeah to a certain extent yeah so, so the next one is mine. Can I do this one? Can uh, I do uh, my yes, favorite? Do this one. This is your favorite. Powers via possession. In possession <laughs> and death, Eve gets possessed by an old gypsy's ghost and seems to gain a few powers of sorts. She can read Russian and Romanian and see dead people. When the spirit leaves, she offers to give Eve her gift of seeing the dead, but is turned down. And I don't blame Eve at all. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Okay, pragmatic hero Eve Dallas. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't really need to explain that one. Um. So this this next one is precision C strike, and um, this it actually links to what it says precision f strike which obviously is something that we have a lot in this series basically a precision f strike is when a character suddenly swears in an uncharacteristically strong manner or when a swear is unexpectedly used in a work with a mild with mild language it's usually intended to show that shit just got real serious um but and you know as we all know but they, eve drops fuck all the time right <laughs> yeah as you know but they never swear in this series so when somebody says fuck we right. you know everything is serious but i'm wondering if, if they're thinking precision c strike is does she say the c word she i think so i think so i think that's what they're they're trying to say yeah because she's saying um, the only time eve uses the word in the entire series kicks off a particularly vicious stream of 
invective. Um, and then again, when describing a nightmare where her mom tries to kill Bella. Yeah. She, I, I, is that the only time she's ever used that word in the series? Must they be. don't use it very often, no. No, they don't. I'm sure Dana has it on her um, spreadsheet. Right. Dana, get on that spreadsheet. I know that other characters have used it, but I like not any of our characters, usually people who, you know, end up being murderers or very, very suspicious people. <laughs> the next one is, again, a pretty clear print long runners, 50 plus titles. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the series. The next one is protagonist-centered morality, and um, that's basically the series. Yes, yeah, it's basically the series. I mean, it's. I think that's pretty. It's just, uh, uh, this has got a long explanation. Yeah, it does. Some of the later books seem to have been wandering into this area. The idea that justice may be more important than the law isn't too bad itself, but Eve always seems to be the judge of what's justice. Past book. 30 or so she she goes from bending the law when it's absolutely necessary to breaking it at will if she weren't generally represented as unfailingly right it would almost look look like a case of jumping off the slippery slope and i yeah i mean it's saying this person's uh, clearly putting their own biases in this uh yeah um but it's saying, oh, let's be honest, the trope has been present since the very first book of this series. For Eve, Rourke is the trope. Um, vengeance and death had Eve finding out about some very serious crimes, however justified, committed by her husband. She had to choose between law and her, as- and her husband. Take a wild guess on which one she picked. And yeah, this, this is very much, uh, somebody's putting their own feelings in here. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know. Um, yeah, creation and death, obviously, we. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. And I don't think that, you know, this person is saying she breaks it at will. And I just like, I don't think that that's the case, even in the later books. But OK. Yeah, they definitely like went went to town on that on that explanation. Oh, the next one. <laughs> Psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Um, some have been proven scientifically by this time in the series and possessors thereof are registered with the state. I did not necessarily realize yeah. that. Um, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, also this is very like this, this is not right. It says Peabody's brother Zeke has them, but like there's no, there's no mention of anyone else. Um, and then they said uh, that part of the visions and death plot. So what was her name? Selena Sanchez. Selena. Selena has them. Yeah. And, yeah. and Peabody's dad also. And Peabody's dad. Isis. Yeah. She's got. Yeah. This is just weird. I don't know what this, this like they've been proven scientifically and then that they are registered with the state of where's that? Did I, I miss that part yeah. of the series? I must okay. have also, but. Honestly, though, someone has like can tell us where that is. I'm curious because right, right. I've never heard that before. And then the next one is psycho supporter, which we've already talked. There was another trope of, you know, talking about something oh, yeah. similar, but the murderer and obsession and death styles themselves yeah. as Eve's true and loyal friend, murdering people who they perceive as having offended or injured Eve. Uh, so, yeah. Um, the next one is 
Race Against the Clock, which happens much in this series. But the example they gave us is from the first book, in which Whitney gives Eve 36 hours to either book Rourke or rule him out as a suspect. Right. And then she gives him 48 hours. And there's so much of that. I mean, like, literally, so much Race Against the Clock in this series. Creation is one that I can think of off the top of my head. Creation. um, Midnight. Midnight. Yeah. Um, Portrait, when they rescue True Heart. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So pretty much if there's a serial killer, there's probably a race against the clock. So So the next one is a rare sentence. And this says, this is when odd conditions prompt someone to say something utterly crazy sounding and someone else, usually the local deadpan snarker comments that I doubt that's ever been said before. Or now there's a sentence that doesn't get used much or similar. Um, So. in this says uh, from brotherhood and death eve i expect the lab to confirm the elephant this morning and rourke says that's not a phrase you hear often and eve says heavy object used to whack mr mira fancy elephant statue (laughs) i think there's more than that oh yeah there's definitely definitely a lot of those so that's a fun one absolutely (laughs) the next one is real award fictional character (laughs) Which I do love this trope. Nora's like, yeah, you know, we're just going to go with the things we know of. It's fine. The movie based on Nadine's book about the award, right? Right there, right? Obviously, honestly. So yeah, so Nadine, um, yeah, her her movie and book, she wins Oscars. Um, so the movie won Best Actress and Best Picture. Nadine gets the gold statue for Best Adapted Screenplay. She also has a. Does she not want a Pulitzer at some point or no? Did I make that up? I think she did. Is she win a going Pulitzer. to win a Pulitzer? Like that's coming soon. She's gonna win a Pulitzer. I thought she had some. She got. She got an award yeah. specifically for the book. Yeah, didn't it she? does seem like she won a Pulitzer, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, more more real awards for fictional characters. Uh, yeah, yeah. The next one is real. Women don't wear dresses, which I don't think that needs any explanation at all. No. Like, you know. Although Eve does wear dresses. Eve's just still trying to figure out um, you know, how to navigate the world yeah. as as herself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's all. The oh, I forgot about this one. Yeah. Um, the reincarnation romance. Yeah. Zigzagged. Um, the ceremony and death, the Wiccan priestess Isis. Uh, tells Rourke that this isn't the first lifetime that he and Eve have loved each other. Rourke likes the idea, but remains politely skeptical. I've just always kind of been fascinated by Isis and like the relationship that that she and Rourke had in some lifetime that was probably a really good friendship. Um, yeah, and then also that she tells him that like it's such a lovely part of the series. And I know it's early in the series, but I love it. Yeah. So the next one is really fun. It's um, remember when you blew up a sun and that trope is basically um, where a character acknowledges a past moment of awesome, either their own or that of another character. Yes. So um, there's a lot of a that number of Eve's more sensational cases get brought up throughout the series, but the Icove case is the most popular. In the novels that follow Origin and Death, the story gets turned into a best-selling book in in universe and then into a movie. 
when the movie adaptation wins several Oscars, in Leverage and Death, Eve resigns herself to the fact that she is never going to stop hearing about it. Uh, and I like to mention that it's probably going to re- uh, cycle all over again when Nadine finishes Delusion right. and Death. Right, yeah. Stop. Yeah. This case from Delusion and Death. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh. oh, yes, the next one. Again, no explanation needed. Ridiculously human robot. Yep. Several of them in this book. Droids. Yeah. Animals and human. Right. So the next one is ripped from the headlines. The science gone bad stories often feature concepts that are theoretical now, which is true. The roaring rampage of revenge. Yeah. Um, which I don't necessarily think needs to be explained. Dork. Yeah. The roaring rampage of revenge. Um, in that line of alliteration, let's talk about Rourke. <laughs> um, so that's obviously the first example that they give us right. um, about how Rourke murdered the men um, who raped and killed Marlena. Um, and then it turns right back around again <laughs> um, in Vengeance and Death. So, um, and then of course they talk about Thankless and Death. That guy just kind of sucks a lot. Yeah. He's maybe like my least favorite murderer because he's just so terrible and dumb and ooh. yeah like at, like at least you know like the groom was interesting <laughs> <laughs> like he he also sucked a lot but at least like he was interesting yeah. um the victims and brotherhood and death obviously yeah, um, apprentice and yeah. death um which you know um mackie and his daughter willow yeah um yeah. So a lot of, guess what? This is a series about um a murder cop. So there's a lot of that in this series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um the next one uh, also doesn't need any explanation. The running gag, which we have several. The candy thief, yes. Eve losing her gloves, um her cars, uh Jenkinson's ties. Jenkinson's ties. Uh Santiago having oh, to wear bet. the hat. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's tons of them in this series. Uh, the next one, um, Sailor's Ponytail. <laughs> I mean. Which I did not know was a uh, was a trope. Well, um, yeah, everybody, in, every sailor yeah. has a ponytail. Let's <laughs> okay. Oh, I guess right? I just never realized that. Um, yeah, so Rourke has long hair. I don't know if you guys knew that. I think it's more that he just puts it in a ponytail a lot. Yeah, he does. Because, you know, long hair gets in the way. serious about working. <laughs> so the next one is um, sarcasm mode, which Eve. Eve. <laughs> right? It doesn't really need any explanation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one is scary black man. I mean. Which, yeah. Um, Chief, Chief Tibble, Tibble and, and Crack. crack. Yeah. I like the... Um, Clarification, though, that Crack is uh, he's a heavily tattooed bouncer of a dive bar in a bad part of town who's actually a nice guy when he's not angry. <laughs> well, well yeah. don't piss him off because he's not angry unless you fucking piss him off. Exactly. He's just a, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. So the next one is the self-made man, which Rourke. Rourke. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. Also needs no explanation. Right. The next one also needs no explanation. Self-made <laughs> orphan. 
I mean, Eve. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. Justified. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next one is like, again, the you know, it doesn't need any explanation. <laughs> it's just serial killer, which, you know, we have a ton in this series. Um, the next one is the shout out. Um, a shout out is an element in a piece of media, a name, a line, or of dialogue, a prop, etc., that intentionally refers to something or someone outside of the work, such as fans, family members, or the cast, um, family members of the cast or crew, or commonly another piece of pop culture. This specifically is about another piece of pop culture, in which Eve refers or she dubs the suspects' lawyers Mo, Larry, and Curly. Mm-hmm. Again, it's such a fun thing to think about because, you know, like Eve, who doesn't know pop culture, like the pop culture she does know is very random. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, so the next one is the sidekick, which, again, doesn't need uh, any no. explanation. We we're talking about Peabody or even Trueheart to Baxter. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one, another one that does not need to be explained. Sins of the Father. Yeah. That's I, what this whole series is about. Mm-hmm. I I love this next one. Slap, slap, kiss. So that's Peabody and McNabb. I mean, <laughs> it's saying even Rourke's whole relationship, even after they're married. But I'm, I'm not sure if it's really that. But sure. Um, I mean, based on the explanation of the trope. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Even Rourke, too. Okay. It just it's 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 is all but universal in romantic stories often bringing to a close to a close the will they or won't they phrase of a romance phase of a romance arc when two characters with romantic tension spend a lot of time bickering now i don't really call what even Rourke do bickering but they definitely spend a lot of time in tense situations right because that's right. the world they live in yeah so and also sometimes they really do stupid arguments. Yeah. <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. Um soap opera rapid aging syndrome. Mm-hmm. A minor example, as Mavis's daughter Bella is born in January 2060 and born in death, but by summer, treachery and death, she is walking and kind of talking. But in <laughs> yeah. devoted in death set in early January 2061, it's mentioned her first birthday is coming up yeah yeah i mean next one is socially awkward hero which you know i mean eve, eve. <laughs> just like so, but, this whole list of tropes like 40 of them are just other ways to eve. describe eve <laughs> <laughs> eve right um yeah the next one soul survivor so next no, you missed one. Oh, i did um well i i've said that one now so i guess we'll go back but soul survivor is next swisher which again that happens. But the one I skipped, which is again, does not need an explanation, is the sociopath. A large right. number of the murderers that Eve takes town. Right. I mean, I feel like just that's like a that's a, a personality trait for a, a, a diagnosis of I don't know, mm-hmm. of, of murderers. <laughs> right. So so the next one is strange minds think alike. And it, what they have as an expo- uh, example here is in witness and death, Eve answers the assertion that Rourke would jump in front of a maxi bus for her by saying they don't go very fast. Later in the book, 
She asked Rourke, who was not present for the original conversation, if he would jump in front of a maxi bus for her. And his reply is, absolutely. They don't go very fast. <laughs> but also, I think you could, this is the same with uh, Eve and, um, and Jake when they're both looking at the uh, Oscar statue. Yes. I'm like, this is a nice, a nice weapon. <laughs> right. Well, no, they both said, well, know. you know, they either should give him a penis or right. give him pants. Yeah. They both kind of said that. That is one of my favorite tropes, though, when you're just like, oh, people get right. each other. I know. Um, even Peabody also have one, I forget which book it is, in which um, basically they both lament, I wish people would like murder each other after the sun comes up or something like that, in like different points of the of the story. And I was like, yeah, that's that's fun. That's like a cop yeah. thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Sorry. The next one, um, yeah. again, I think the... Um, the author is inserting their own feelings into this. Yeah. It's um straw man political. And it says in the first book, at the very least, the parties have discarded their former names and are now just the conservatives, moderates, and so on. The conservatives are evil and corrupt to a man depicted as snarling tyrants obsessed with destroying contraceptives because they hate women see this is i don't yeah don't put your own feelings into that i don't right. think that's you know we're saying like conservatives are you know in this series but people who are conservative will often see it that way right you know um and it says and of course the conservative senator who wants to make prostitution illegal and gun ownership Legal is a slobbering, incestuous child raper. Well, you know, um, <laughs> after in their own homes, the very next place that is like the highest amount of um, child sexual assault is in a church or with a youth pastor. Yeah. Who I'm assuming they're conservative. All this. So it's not like, you know, and, and I don't think the book ever says that it's only conservatives, you know? No, it doesn't. And it's like, specifically this guy. Yeah. Who follows um pretty standard, you know, like, yeah, the way he behaves yeah. is pretty standard. And, and I don't think she, she used him because obviously it, it you know, she wanted to depict a world that has legalized prostitution and no guns. Right. And two would be opposed to that. Well, it's obviously going to be a conservative, but that doesn't mean that she feels like all conservatives in this series are that way. I don't, you know, I don't think she does that at all. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Oh, the next one. Suspect existence failure. Mm. (laughs) This trope popped up in Innocent in Death after Craig Foster's murder. Eve Dallas ends up focusing on Reed Williams as the prime suspect. Take a while. Guess what happens next? Mm. That's happened a few times in the series, but that's a big one. Right. Yeah. The next one is the Swiss bank account, which, <laughs> yeah, we have a number, you yeah. know, any, any number of cases Rourke looks into somebody's financial background and finds they have hidden accounts, whether they're, you know, Swiss bank accounts or other, you know, so, I mean, that's pretty much why Rourke is there to look into everybody's bank accounts. Yeah be honest yeah so um the next one doesn't add any explanation (laughs) sympathetic murder backstory yes yeah he stabbed your father to death Mm self-defense somerset 
killed Rourke's father to protect right. his children, including Rourke. So the next one is interesting. Taking the nerve disruptor. So this is saying um, a form of heroic sacrifice where when a villain fires a weapon at someone and another character leaps into the path of the weapon, receiving the injury instead. So obviously that's um, vengeance. Eve. Yeah. Vengeance. But also they're saying, um, you know, in. Um, oh, Mick. Yeah. Mick, Mick Connolly. Judgment. And, uh, that no, that's, no, that's um, I don't think it's it's betrayal, betrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the next one, therapy is for the weak. Eve isn't very receptive to Mira at first, but she comes around and even sees psychology as a valuable tool. Yeah, I mean, you know, is what it is. Eve did think that. Way. Yeah. Um, next one is there are no psychologists. Charlotte Mira serves both as Eve's confidant and case consultant, uh, the profiler also. Eve has also been known to recommend uh, Dr. Mira to others who've gone through especially traumatic experiences, and Nadine is revealed to have some sessions with her as well. Yeah. Dr. Mira is the only actual psychologist in the world. She sees everyone yeah. for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Dr. Mira is probably suffering from like secondary PTSD or whatever you want to call it. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this next one. Cause I wanted you to take the next one after that. Oh, okay. If that's, the next one is to the pain. And basically it's just, you know, torture. Um, yeah. Rourke explains for a shadow of Eve's past that he'd like nothing more than to peel the skin from her. What? Oh, Rourke basically. Oh, um, this is to Trudy Lombard. To Trudy Lombard, yeah. Rourke explains that he'd like nothing more than to peel the skin from her bones one thin layer at a time. But he said things about like that about okay. Eve's father. He'd like things he'd like to do to him. And yeah. Yeah. Don't fuck with Rourke. Don't fuck with Rourke. <laughs> um Okay, so the next is a pretty common trope. The tomboy and the girly girl. So Dallas and Peabody. One, mm-hmm. the hard charging badass cop. The other tries to be, but their reactions to Trina, the stylist, <laughs> really bring it home. Also, Dallas yeah. and Mavis, and Dallas and Dr. Mm-hmm. Mira. Really, any other female character in the series is girly compared to Eve. Most of the men are girly compared to Eve. Sometimes Rourke will know more about feminine matters than Eve herself, which isn't hard to tell the truth. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's very tropey. Like, it's, it's definitely, like, dated. Right. Um, to like especially you know to think about like the femininity versus the girliness i think that there's a difference between feminine and girly um but right exactly um because eve is definitely a lot more feminine than she realizes but she's not girly um in my opinion that's obviously my feeling on that but um i think feminine the 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 term feminine matters is like okay what what does that mean um that said, a hundred percent, Eve is a hundred percent a tomboy, right? Compared to everyone else in the series. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Can I read the next one? Yes. <laughs> I love this trope because we love some humor. Too dumb to mm-hmm. live. You sometimes wonder why some of the victims still know how to breathe. So, um, a shining example is one in eternity and death. Which one? I think 
I think the shining example is the one in um, Judgment. Uh, yes. Isn't that's Boney's uh, wife. Is that? No, that's a reunion. No, that's yeah. reunion. Yeah, but reunion. yeah, she's, she's the one that we've had several, but she's the one that stands out to me as the one that is like. But y'all know there are so many. You're like, uh, okay. Dumb. Right. So I think we already talked about Tranquil Fury, and obviously yeah. that's Rourke. Yeah. So. Um, and then the next one is trauma-induced amnesia, which is Eve bringing back yeah. all of her troubled past. Yeah. The next one is troubling unchildlike behavior, which Raylene Straffo finally mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally she gets her <laughs> she gets her due. Uh, turn in your badge. Yeah, we all know what that is. <laughs> um <laughs> conspiracy yeah conspiracy uh definitely definitely a trope in cop and detective stories right um undying loyalty eve and rourke to each other eve to feeny <laughs> eve squad to eve i think eve to eve squad is also, absolutely um, uh-huh and especially peabody but i think it goes both ways there too absolutely yeah um, I'll read the next one. Yeah. Unscrupulous hero, Rourke. <laughs> I mean. Uh, sorry, the next one is Vengeful <laughs> Vending Machine. I don't right? think, yeah, we're not even, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Villainous breakdown. Some murderers are subject to this when Eve foils them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always, always good. Always a good read. And they have yeah. their little meltdown. Oh, yes. And a villainous mother-son duo. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Madeline Bullock and her son in uh, Born and Death. Yep. Um, is there another one I'm just not thinking of right now? There's, I think there's another one. But I could be wrong. Okay. <laughs> there's a father and daughter duo. There is a father-daughter duo. Maybe my yeah. brain is just going there. But yeah. So... <laughs> Villain by default is very obvious. There's yeah. plenty of those drug dealers, pedophiles, defense attorneys, defense and others. attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> Poor defense attorneys. Honestly, like that has to be one of the bravest jobs ever. I'm going to defend this person that I know is bad. Right. That yeah. is that is a skill, man. The the next one might need an explanation. So yeah, the next one is uh walking tech bane. Some people are just naturally good with technology, while others can barely surf the internet. And then there are those who go beyond the use the CD-ROM drive as a cup holder crowd and can cause a computer to catch fire and explode while trying to turn it on, or even by standing next to it. That's the walking I they're talking about. Here. I wonder. I can't imagine <laughs> that there's anyone in this series. <laughs> oh shit. Uh. So the next next one is Western terrorists, which yeah, you know the group Cassandra, and also it's an offshoot of the pre-series Western terrorists Apollo, um, oh, yeah. but also Red Horse, Red Horse, yeah, um, the Purity Seekers, Purity Seekers, yeah, yeah. Um, the next one, what a piece of junk. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. Is this your car? This is a pathetic, rusted out bucket of bolts. I'm sorry. What exactly makes you think that this thing will get us three blocks before collapsing in a big puff of blue smoke? Um, so the alleged car is unjustly accused of being a working vehicle. 
when a piece of junk is unjustly being used, unjustly accused of being the alleged car, it looks like a clunker, but performs like a cool car, likely through right. much work turning into an Ace Custom. So many tropes mentioned here, but you I, all know that's the deal, Urban. I, I love that this is a trope. I do too. I did not know that that was a trope. And I also love that um, what one of the ex, uh, examples of this that they're showing is uh, Herbie the love bug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, sorry. Uh, oh, no, it's okay. What happened to the mouse? When Crack returns from his walking the earth stint, Eve asks him to help her with some undercover work. His attempts and results of such have yet to be mentioned. Not like, wait. What? Um, what happens to the mouse occurs when a minor character action or a very minor plot line is suddenly dropped from the story for no apparent reason without any real explanation about what happened to it and without a resolution. So what, what, what is the thing with, I wish they would put ex, the, you know, like right. in what? this book, when yeah, Crack returns from his walk the but... earth stint, Eve asks him to help her with some undercover work. His attempts and results have yet to be mentioned. I don't, I don't know what, they're talking about here i don't either i someone please tell us what they're talking about right um okay well the next one is what measure is a non-human um so they're talking about droids Mm -hmm. um no well no one outright says they're sentient and it's mostly implied that they're just well-programmed to emulate some emotional responses. They do display traits like fear and self-preservation. Usually when Eve threatens to have them taken apart or destroyed for not being as cooperative as she'd like. <laughs> no disassemble. <laughs> um, the next, the next one is what the hell hero? Um, which is basically and when characters in universe call out, one or possibly more of the heroes for doing something clearly unheroic, if not outright heinous. And um, it says, uh, isn't it funny how no one likes a dirty cop, but nobody wants to hang out with the guys that catch them. Eve promptly ignores this utterly apt and pointed observation from her former friend and continues to uh, refer to the internal affairs as the rat squad. I mean, yeah yeah that's a point are there birds singing at your house yeah okay making sure that i wasn't just hearing things <laughs> you're like are there are there birds singing <laughs> do, you, do you not hear a lot of that in real life or what i can't there i can't hear birds singing around here i can hear them at work there's oh, a okay. fucking bird's nest right outside my window at work but there are no bird nests around my apartment apparently okay well at least not in this room. I was just like, what is that? Is it birds? Um, anyway. Um, who murdered the asshole? Uh, several cases have a wealth of suspects being, oh, wealth of suspects thanks to the victim being a terrible or at least thoroughly unlikable person. So asshole victim. Um, mm-hmm. So yes. Yeah, so anytime that there's lots of options. Um, uh, one textbook example is Richard Draco. A witness in death who proves to have been such scum while he was alive that Eve, for the first time in the series, admits that she can't feel any sympathy for him 
nor condemn his murderer, considering that she killed him for starting an expletive, a sexual relationship with their unwitting daughter. Mm. Um, and then Lorinda Mars um, in Secrets and Death. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eve has a multitude of motivated suspects to try to sort through. God. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is, why did it have to be snakes? So it's like, you know, obviously Eve has a fear of heights. Um, she also has to hear a fear of cows. Both shrink as to nothing compared to her fear and loathing of anything even vaguely resembling a hospital. So that's true. Yeah. Um, um, and it says, it, you know, I mean, it's obviously the reason why it says, given one of Eve's first memories after murdering her hideously abusive father is waking up in a hospital and being asked questions by doctors and police she simply can't answer. Um, this is kind of understandable, which, yes, you're correct. Yeah. So um, the next one, I'm going to read an explanation. <laughs> yeah. Wooby Destroyer of Worlds. This is a character with um, omnicidal and or axe crazy tendencies or a character who wants to destroy everyone in the story and is suddenly in a position to do so on a small or large scale. But in contrast to other characters, he or she has some plausible, outright tragic reason to do so. In some cases, the other characters outright sympathize with this one, whether or not the audience does too is out of the equation here, all while accepting that they must be stopped. Sometimes the character is even portrayed as likable, just not with the right mindset. So um, we're, of course, talking about purity and death, right? No, portrait and death, I'm sorry. Although I think purity and death too. Yeah, purity is, I think, a better example. Better example than both of these. Yeah. Um, cause they, so they listed holiday and portrait, but I think purity is probably yeah, purity's a, a really good example. example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so these killers suffered losses. That was the end of the world for them. Um, again, that's definitely purity. They turned to murder mm-hmm. because for them, it's the only way to unleash the pain. Those killers also imply to have been born with untreated mental disorders. Perhaps they are unsympathetic, but it can be agreed that they are pathetic. It's kind of a broad sure. statement, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, uh, abandoned in death is also maybe a good example of that second. Part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so next one is world war three. So obviously the urban wars yeah. can be seen here as world war three. Um, the next one is, the ones a plot um okay i get it um many tv shows are based around a high concept a simple intriguing premise that can be explained in one or two sentences a hook which attracts the interest of everyone from producers to advertisers to viewers one very common way to build a high concept is to take two characters who are very different from each other quirky or somehow odd and then team them up to accomplish some objective in the biz, this is called a one's a plot. So named by Roger Ebert, a one's a plot is a one is an X, one's a Y, together they objective Z. So right. even work. Exactly. The cop yeah. and the criminal. <laughs> one's a plot. I like that. One's a plot. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get it now. Um, the next one is You Didn't Ask. In Naked and Death, Rourke mentions that De Blas used to buy guns from the black market when Eve. Um, asked why he didn't tell her before he says 
she didn't ask. And I think Rourke does that a lot. Yeah, well, Rourke does ask. that a lot. He's, he's a king of that. <laughs> um, there's one more here. And um, this happens a lot in the series. And it's the you do not want to know. Uh, the example they give is in Vengeance and Death. Eve asks what's in the meat stuff she's currently eating. Rourke says, you'll thank me for not telling you. Just enjoy it. Because she was eating blood pudding. She's eating blood pudding. So, yeah. Some meat stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, we're coming up on two hours. So, yeah. Um, um, we did, we're doing pretty good. Um, do you think there's anything else that we want to um, talk about? There were, there were the, um, your mileage may vary um, tropes. Um, right. I know that there's a few things here um, that um, maybe it could be worth mentioning. I noticed the, uh, if you go to that page, AJ, the harsher in hindsight, right. rapture right. and death published in 1996 set in 2058. The twin towers are suspected to be the target of a terrorist attack. Right. The target turns out to be the statue of Liberty. And like, that's. <laughs> yeah. So do we, do we explain what your mileage may vary is um, specifically? I mean, it's did. basically, you know, I mean, episode, but not yeah. Time. Different people will feel differently about certain things is what it is. Yeah. You know, so, um, and so it may, the, Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, I was going to say um, one of the things they list here is archive panic. And basically what they're saying for this is, because there's, you know, so many books, there's 50 books as of early 2021, plus the second half of Remember When, as well as 10 novellas. Um, and, you know, it, that can, people will look at that body of work and go, oh, yeah, no, I, no, I can't, I can't do, that. do that. Yeah. Yeah. But other people will look at it and go, yay, books to read, you know, so. Right. Different people feeling differently about different things. And also, do you want to talk about less yay? Yes, I do. So, okay. less yay, uh, or ho yay, um, homoeroticism, <laughs> yay. Uh, these moments of plot, dialogue, acting, etc., that fans delight interpreting as homoerotic. This probably originates from the old days when homosexuality taboo was serious. Not that every gay pairing was considered a crack pairing. So, when authors wrote same-sex characters as very intimate with each other, audiences largely accepted that they were very good friends and moved on. Um, so this is, this one is kind of like, um, just for humor, Dallas and Peabody as they're both straight yeah. in relationships, they're both straight presenting. Um, um, and then Peabody, this is just an example they put, uh, explaining her lateness. Then I couldn't sleep because of the jitters. So I jumped McNabb sort of remind myself why I'm doing this. Um, I was okay until the subway breakdown that threw me off. And now I've got the jitters again. And Dallas says, you can just forget about jumping me to take your mind off of them. There's a way yeah. better one. Um, I think it's after Peabody and McNabb break up and like Dallas is something. And she's like, Peabody says something like, Oh, but I've given up dating cops or something like, like they definitely have a lot of that banter. Right. Um, yeah. It's one of those things that, that I, I find amusing, but is also right. sometimes weird to approach. And then uh, I think that was really it from here. Cause we, t oh yeah. So why re I read um, the word squick earlier in, mm -hmm. um, in one of the tropes. So squick, obviously. Um, so it means uh, con a contraction of squeamish and ick. 
a negative emotional right. response, more specifically a disturbed or disgusted one. Um, and we talked about like Eve and Feeney and their awkwardness um, when like Eve has to take off her shirt around him. Um, but they also talk here about how Eve and Rourke are examining the apartment of a sleazy, mur- sleazy murder victim um, who they later discovered to be a date rapist. In the process, Rourke remarks on and handles some vaguely defined but kinky sex toy mm. and then steals it, presumably to use on Eve later. Secondhand sex toy already very ew. Secondhand sex toy belonging to a rapist. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but I I'd never heard the term squick before. So oh, I have, yeah. Um, so now it's I love it. So yeah. <laughs> this this website, I I know you probably since the last episode of, of us doing this have mm-hmm. have have adventured onto this website and yeah, hopefully found some fun stuff. But yeah, it's it's really pretty fascinating all of the yeah. stuff that's on here it really is so that's uh tvtropes.org if you if anybody wants to go <laughs> on this website and look yes. see what they have here yes um and yeah that's i'm not going to do any uh, podcast business because this is our Little emergency episode so air, if you're hearing yeah. this we don't know when this is going to air so we don't know what podcast business is going to be at that point in time that's so. right um but other than that, we just want to thank you for listening to the show uh, for these past almost three years or after three years, depending on when you listen to Crazy. this. Crazy. And um, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, give us an idea for an episode that you want to hear us, something you want to hear us talk about, or maybe you want to be a guest on the show or whatever. Uh, we'd love to have you just get in touch with us on any of our social medias. Just look for Podcast and Death on Instagram and Twitter and uh, the Facebooks and the TikToks and anywhere else you can send yes. us a message there. Um, we have a website, www. Uh, in uh, what is it? www.podcastanddeath.com. We've got a email um, show at podcastanddeath.com, or you can call the number. The number is two zero five four seven six two seven five three, and that spells out two zero five four Rourke. Yes. Uh, and I guess that's it for. Yes this episode sorry this is a very abrupt ending but, you know, <laughs> uh but uh so yeah for this is it for this episode of podcast and death so for our podcast and death this is aj this is dara thanks for joining us on this episode of podcast and death and we will see you next time see you next time guys bye, bye. thank you for listening to podcast in death If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastanddeath.com or find us on social media. 
by searching for Podcasts in Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-ROARK. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slouch at you.